Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping new and aspiring instructional designers get the knowledge, skills, and confidence to stand out in the field and land their first corporate instructional design job. I'm your host, Jill Davidian, and think of this podcast as a way to put my over 20 years of corporate ID experience in your back pocket. I've helped over 500 new instructional designers successfully transition into the field, and I know what hiring managers are looking for. Whether you're looking for a career change and exploring if instructional design is right for you, or you know you want to become an ID and have no idea how to get started, you are in the right place. Join me each week for actionable guidance as we explore how to build your portfolio, transform your resume, and interview with confidence. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having an amazing day. So today we're going to be talking about portfolios. If you don't know what a portfolio is, it's a showcase of what you can do and it's required to get a job as an instructional designer. When I say require, that's a loose term because there's always a rogue person that's going to say, oh, I got a job without a portfolio, but I promise you it's rare and it drastically decreases your chance of getting a job if you don't have one. It could mean it takes you a year, two years, even longer, or you may never get a job at all. That's how important it is. As IDs, we have this unique advantage, and yes, I do believe it's an advantage, that we can submit a portfolio to prospective employers so that they can actually see how we can do the job. Now, if you had experience in instructional design, wouldn't be as big of a deal, although even experienced instructional designers need portfolios these days. But it would be less of a big deal because they could see that you've worked for companies before and you've done all these different things as an instructional designer. But when you haven't done these things and you don't have the job experience to back it up, how do they know that you can actually do the job? Otherwise, they just have to take a chance on you. So think about if you were applying for a job as an accountant, for example. Accountants don't have portfolios, or at least I don't think they do. I've never tried to become an accountant, so I'm not sure, but I'm going to assume that they probably don't have portfolios. If you were switching careers from, say, a teacher to an accountant, what would you do? You'd probably go back to school, and when you graduate, you would interview for jobs and hope someone gives you a chance. And like I said, it really would be taking a chance because you would have no way to actually prove you can do it. With instructional design, you don't actually have to go back to school. So that kind of puts you in a weird position because You don't necessarily have to get a degree. And even if you do, a lot of times you don't have the skills needed to actually get hired and employers know that. So they're not necessarily going to say, oh my goodness, you've gone to school. That's exactly what we need when you have no experience. They also don't see any experience in your resume. So you've got to have something to prove that you can do the job. And so that's where we have that privilege of being able to put together a portfolio showing what we can do, which is an asset because employers don't have to guess that someone like you that's transitioning can do the job. Now, it's funny because just as I was getting ready to record this episode, I took a scroll through Facebook and I was looking in our Applied Instructional Design Academy Facebook group. If you're not familiar with what that is, Applied Instructional Design Academy, or ADA for short, is my nine-month career development program for learning instructional design. We create portfolios And we really help you stand out from the crowd to get hired for your first ID job. So anyways, one of our members posted about a job offer that they received. And actually, it's job offers. It was plural. Now, all the jobs she's been interviewing for in both of her job offers were instructional design jobs. And she's a former teacher. So one of the companies, when she was in the very first interview, they said after looking at her portfolio, they were so impressed that they clearly didn't need to spend the interview time talking about her skills, but rather wowing her into wanting to join their team. 
think about this. She is a former teacher and has no formal instructional design experience. None. Nothing says instructional designer on her resume. The only thing that she's done is education. She hasn't gone to school for instructional design. None of that. Her portfolio wowed them so much and they knew that she had the skills they needed that they didn't even need to ask her questions in the interview. And they wanted her to work there so badly that they wanted to wow her in the interview. Now, you'll hear all the time where people say that interviews are a two-way street. The company should be wowing you as much as you should be wowing them. But often companies don't always think about it that way. And so this is actually a company that was like, we already know we want you. And they followed through with that commitment all the way till the end. They did, in fact, give her an offer. So she made it to the final stage with three companies. And the final stage means that she went through a couple of interviews with each of these three companies. And she got to the last one where if she passed that one, she would get offered the job. Two of the companies offered her a job. One of the companies, she actually probably would have been offered a job, but she actually removed herself from the process prior to because she felt it wasn't right for her. So one of the two companies that offered her the job was the one that we just talked about. And then there was another one as well. Now, she started salary negotiation with the two companies that offer her the job because she wanted to see who was going to offer her the best salary. That's also something that we offer in Applied Instructional Design Academy. We offer help with that. So when she asked for more money to the job that had said that they didn't even need to interview her, the hiring manager had to ask his boss for approval to give her more salary, which he wanted to do because he really did want her. So he sent his boss her portfolio who hadn't seen it previously. His boss was so wowed by it that she was like, we need her, give her whatever she wants. They ended up negotiating for $6,000 more in her starting salary than her original offer. And it was mostly based on her portfolio. Now, when she went to the other company that had given her an offer to decline, because after all, she had just got $6,000 more from the first company, and it was a fully remote job. The other company was not a fully remote job. So of course, she's going to take the fully remote job, right? That's what she wanted. And so she went to the other company that wasn't fully remote and said, sorry, I can't accept this offer. Now, the second company who had also been really wowed by her portfolio said, wait a minute, what did that other company offer you that we couldn't offer you? Like, what did they have? And why did you take the job from them and not from us? Because they were like, we're not going to let you go that easily. She said that they came up in base salary because they had raised it $6,000. I don't know that she gave them that exact number, but she said they came up in base salary. They offered her five extra vacation days per year. And the position was fully remote, whereas this new company was not. The second company said, done. They made the position remote. They gave her five extra days vacation. They upped her base salary and offered her whatever she wanted for her home office, even if it was four monitors. They even said they would send their mascot to her house for her kids' birthday parties. They said whatever she wanted, they would do it. What? Like, that's crazy, right? She attributes this to Applied Instructional Design Academy and what she learned here. And many of these same concepts are the things that I'm sharing with you. So when I say this is important, it really is. I've been doing this for 20 years and I know what hiring managers want and I know how to not only get you hired, but get you hired with salary and benefits that are ahead of the pack. Your portfolio matters. It may seem daunting and a lot of work to put together. And I know often people are tempted to skip it and just say, forget it. I'm just going to apply and see what I can get. But I promise you're going to save 
a lot of time in the long run. It may take a lot of extra time to create the portfolio, but you're going to save, I mean, you could save a year of applying by having this portfolio. Now, that being said, there are a lot, and I mean a lot of people who are new to the field, who are applying, who are not putting portfolios together, or they're not putting portfolios together that get them hired. I promise the Applied Instructional Design Academy student who I was just talking about would not have gotten hired if she had had a portfolio that was thrown together with things that were not things that were going to get her hired. It wouldn't have had the same effect. So I want to spend a few minutes focusing on how to create a portfolio that will get you hired to kind of get you started. And we will have some more podcast episodes diving into this deeper because honestly, this is a multi-pronged topic. The great thing is that if you actually put this together the right way, get it in front of a hiring manager, whether it's through linking it on your resume, looking them up and sending it via LinkedIn, mentioning it during an interview, if you don't know if they've had a chance to look at it, if you get it in front of them, you are going to stand out and get noticed. Now, most people think a portfolio is a showcase of your previous work, right? Because that's what you do is you showcase what you've done before. But notice I didn't say that at the beginning of this episode. I said it was a showcase of what you can do. Now, could that include previous work? Of course, your previous work obviously shows what you can do. But you want to make sure that your previous work, if you are going to put it in your portfolio, lines up with the job that you are applying for. If you don't have any previous work that matches with the job you're applying for, aka a instructional design position, you've got to make it up. It is super important that you put things in your portfolio that align with the job you want, not the job you have. Now, I want to pause for a minute and let that sink in. You have to make it up. This is where people get tripped up. They're like, I don't have anything for my previous work. I can't complete a portfolio. Done. I'm just going to apply and hope something works out because I can't do it. Literally can't. Yes, you can. You have to make it up. Think about that. It's important let it sink in. So the point is, don't create a portfolio based on the job you have now if you are leaving that current field. It wouldn't make sense. If you're applying for a corporate instructional design position, which is what we focus on here in this podcast, you would want your portfolio to reflect work deliverables or work product that resembles what an employer would see and what an ID would work on in the corporate world. So if you're a teacher and you have examples of things like Nearpod or Pear Deck, Those would be great to showcase if you want to get a job as a teacher because those tools are used in teaching. They are not tools used in the corporate world and will signal to a corporate employer that you don't know how to use the tools used in corporate because you haven't demonstrated how to use them on your portfolio. They also may think that you're looking for a teaching job and you just got caught up in the wrong place because that's what you're showing that you're looking for. Even beyond tech tools or software programs, in corporate, we create storyboards and design documents as part of our design process. Now, you may go through design process as part of your current position, for example, creating a curriculum plan, but it's not exactly the same. Employers are going to want to see storyboards and design docs with an adult audience in mind in your portfolio. They want to see that you can create the actual deliverables that you need in the corporate world. Think about it this way. If you're a teacher, you definitely have transferable skills into corporate instructional design. If you were coming from another corporate background and maybe it wasn't an instructional design position, but you happen to train people in that job, you also have transferable skills. 
But the burden is on you to show the employer how those skills transfer. When you put a Nearpod or Pear Deck into your portfolio, you're putting something from your previous or current job without actually taking the time to show the employer that you know how it transfers. You're not saying that at all. You're just throwing something in there that you did at your job. You're not proving to them that your skills do actually transfer into what they need. It's like saying to the employer, you figure out how my skills transfer. I'm going to put things that I've done in my past into my portfolio and you tell me how they transfer into what you do. They're not going to do that. They're going to put you at the bottom of the pile. It's your job to show them how your skills transfer by taking the things that you have learned and creating portfolio samples geared towards what is used in the corporate world. This is true for your resume, your interviews, and everything you do when it comes to getting an ID job. The burden of proof is on you. It's like a court case where someone has to prove whether they are right or wrong and the other person just defends or refutes it, but somebody has to come up with the evidence. And so there's the burden of proof is on one side or the other. And in this case, the burden of proof is on you. You have to start showing them how they transfer and then they can decide, yes, I think that that actually does work. And yes, I can see how your skills transfer or no, I don't. And they won't hire you. Now, if you're not coming from an education related field, you may have samples that you can use from past work experience where you trained others at work. And that's fine. It is okay to showcase those in the corporate world. So like I said, I'm not saying you can't showcase things from your past work, but only showcase it if it relates to the corporate world and specifically the corporate instructional design world. Mostly that means that it has to have an adult audience. It has to be in the form of deliverables, tools, templates, things that we use in the corporate world. And it has to not be set up for a K through 12 or higher ed setting. That's mostly what that means. So if you create a course on how people can learn how to play pickleball, even though that's not technically a corporate thing, it still would meet my criteria because it is for adults. You're going to use templates, tools, and all of those things that you would use in the corporate world. And it is not an education. I have an episode on how to choose a topic for your portfolio samples that you're going to include in your portfolio. So I definitely would check that episode out for more information there. So now that we have established what should not be in your portfolio, what should you include in it? You will want to have samples that are showing your skills in the software programs that are most used in the field. I did a podcast episode on this and you can find the link in the show notes. Creating samples in as many of these programs as you can shows the employer that you know the tools they potentially use. The two biggest ones are Storyline and Rise, but again, check out that other episode on software programs for more on that. Now, that's not all. Some people think they just need to put the end product or the end course in there and that's it. But you actually need to show your design process as well, because as instructional designers, that's a huge part of what we do. That really arguably is the most important part of what we do. So that's the behind the scenes process. If you think about an architect who creates blueprints for their job when they're building homes or buildings, if they're searching for a position as an architect, that potential employer is going to want to see blueprints that they've created, not just the final home or building that they've designed for. This is where many people mess up because they don't include those design deliverables. Now, I did a whole episode on the whole process and all the different pieces that are involved called how the instructional design process is like building a house. And I think that will help to make sure you have some of the right pieces in your portfolio. But I am going to do a future episode where I will outline the exact things I want you to have in your portfolio to get hired. 
So stay tuned for that. I will also have an episode in the near future on how to create a portfolio sample from scratch, as I know that can seem like a daunting process and almost feels a bit weird to be creating something that isn't for a real audience. But it's a necessary piece of the puzzle, so I'm definitely going to be covering that soon. Now, hopefully you realize the value of creating a portfolio and you're ready to get started on yours. Or even if you're not ready, you now know this is something that you have to keep at the forefront of your mind as you learn more about instructional design. I hope you got value from today's episode and I can't wait to see you back here next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights that will help you on your instructional design journey. Did you have a moment of clarity? Maybe you have some additional questions. Let's discuss in my Facebook group, which can be found in the description below and in the show notes at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and review. Let me know if there's a specific topic you'd like me to cover or a guest you'd like me to have on the show. You can also check out more resources for breaking into instructional design on my website, learningstrategyanddesign.com. Stay tuned next week as I bring you more tips, tools, and strategies to jumpstart your instructional design career.